Praise the Lord. Amen. What an awesome, awesome day this is today. Amen. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made. Praise God. And He has created us. He has ordained that we be here tonight, gathered together in His presence. Amen. Before we start our service, uh, we're about to go to the Lord in prayer. Let's remember, uh, obviously, this service, uh, the ministration of His Spirit here tonight. Let's remember those that are sick. Uh, Brother and Sister DeMuth are still recovering from COVID. Uh, it was their desire to be here tonight, but that just it just wasn't possible yet. Uh, they're still suffering from some coughs and stuff like that, so they prudently decided to wait. And so, uh, and there are others in our congregation, those that we know that are sick that we're praying for. Uh, let's, let's continue to remember them. God is our healer. He most certainly is. He took stripes on his back that we might have our healing purchased for us. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't take stripes on my back and then just not do anything with that. He did that for a reason. He didn't hang on a cross just to do nothing with it either. Amen. It is His desire to save. It is His desire to heal, to deliver, to restore, to provide whatever our needs are this morning. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's call out on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for these things. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. You're a mighty, glorious Savior, and we heap glory and honor unto you this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. There is none higher. There is none greater than you. We come into your presence this evening expecting. We are expecting awesome things of an awesome God. Hallelujah, Jesus. For these that we pray for, these that, that need healing, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would give healing unto them now. That you would give complete, miraculous healing to those that we've been praying for. In Jesus' name, I pray for our service this evening, that you would manifest your perfect will here tonight. That all of your heart would be accomplished. And all of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. We're going to be talking this evening about crossing the finish line. Crossing the finish line. That evokes certain images uh, for some of us, other images for others of us. But for all of us, I think we can agree that crossing the finish line is it's an accomplishment. It's not something that everybody does. It, uh, it takes a little bit of effort. Certainly, if you're going to win the race, it takes some effort. But even to cross, those of you that have run marathons, any marathon runners here? Uh, me either. But we, uh, we can appreciate... People that cross that finish line, marathons, triathlons, 
exercises tests of endurance. They don't do that lightly, and they don't just get out of bed one day and decide, I'm going to run, a, I'm going to run the marathon. It's in a few days. I'm good to go. They spend a lot of time in preparation, a lot of time preparing, a lot of time disciplining themselves to make sure that that takes place. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 24, says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. There's a story I found in mygoodtimestories.com website. Just so you know that this is not original with me. Amen. story goes like this. When she looked ahead, Florence Chadwick saw nothing but a solid wall of fog. Her body was numb. She had been swimming for nearly 16 hours. Already she was the first woman to swim the English Channel in both directions. She had managed to finish that swim in a record time, 16 hours and 22 minutes on August 8, 1950. Now, at age 34, her goal was to become the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to Palos Verde on the California coast. On that 4th of July morning in 1952, the sea was like an ice bath, and the fog was so dense she could hardly see her support boats. Sharks cruised toward her lone figure only to be driven away by rifle shots. Against the frigid grip of the sea, she struggled on hour after hour, while millions watched on national television. Alongside Florence and one of the boats, her mother and her trainer offered encouragement. They told her it wasn't much farther, but all she could see was fog. They urged her not to quit. She never had, not until now. With only a half mile to go, she asked to be pulled out. Still thawing her chilled body several hours later, she told a reporter, quote, Look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I might have made it, unquote. It was not the fatigue or even the cold water that defeated her. It was the fog. She was unable to see her goal. Two months later, she tried again. This time, despite the same dense fog, she swam with her faith intact and her goal clearly pictured in her mind. She knew that somewhere behind the fog was land, and this time she made it. Florence Chadwick became the first woman to swim the Catalina, eclipsing the men's record by two hours. Throughout every person's life, an individual may have one or many goals that they set for themselves. There are many kinds of goals, whether they are short-term, long-term, or just temporary. The important thing is that we stay consistent, focused, and keep our eyes on the goal. There are times when attaining a goal may be easy, or other times when it seems like a goal is far, far away. And we will never be able to reach it. But if we don't lose heart and keep working hard, a goal can be accomplished. Amen. That's the story. So, we here, we understand what goals are. 
And if you've done anything at work or anything in, in uh, any kind of leadership development, you know that maybe you've heard of the, the SMART acronym uh, when it comes to goal setting. The, the goal that I want to be a better person. That's not a goal. That's, that's a hope. That's a dream. That's a, that's a wish. Goals are specific. They're measurable. They're, they're actionable. They're, uh, they're realistic. They have a timetable. I think I got the E wrong, but anyway. A goal, a better goal would be, in one year's time, I want to have two more close friends, and I'm going to do that by doing A, B, C. And I'm going to continue to do that until this happens. That's more along the lines of a goal. It's specific. It's measurable. I can, I can quantify things. I want one more friend. I'm going to do that by speaking to one person a week. I can quantify that. Did I speak to one person a week or no? Okay, yes or no, it's quantifiable. The I want to be a better person, well, what does that mean? How am I going to get there? Where am I starting from? A lot of unanswered questions there. And all of these goals, we make goals because they're important to us. They're things that we want to achieve. We would all like to be better people. But are we willing to put in the effort to actually become a better person? There are goals that we, uh, as we go through life, that seem to be consistent throughout. When we're children... I know one of my goals was to graduate high school and be done with it. That's what I wanted to do. That was my big goal. I wanted to be done with high school. You know, everyone always told me, yeah, you, you say that now, but you're gonna, after you graduate, you're going to look back and you're going to miss those days. You're going to miss the times that you had in high school. Not once have I missed high school. Not once. I was not a popular kid, okay? Can I just say it like that? I was a nerd, a geek, before they were cool. They weren't cool when I was a nerd. And so, uh, yeah, anyway. I don't miss high school. I wanted to be done with it. I made that goal. I got out of high school. Joined the Army and I was gone. Goal accomplished. But as I grew up, you know, when I was really young, it seemed like it was going to take forever for the school year to even be done. I mean, that was such a long time, whenever it was, May, June, July, I can't even remember now, when I was in elementary school, whenever it was going to be done. But right now it's, it's October, and it's, that is like 50 years in the future for me as, as a small child. As I grew up, time moved a little bit faster. I started looking forward to actually getting done with school altogether. And after school was done, I was like, thank God this, this thing is done. This weight is off my back. Now what? Now what do I do? School's done. Now I've got to get a job. I've got to go to school. I've got to do something. So now it's time for another goal. I didn't have a goal, so I joined the Army. That gave me time to make another goal. <laughs> but 
When I was growing up, the thought of me being an adult was crazy. That was insane. I couldn't picture myself as an adult, and let alone married, let alone with children. I could not picture that. In my wildest imaginations, I could not see myself there. I'm a kid. I'm a child. I like being a child. This is good for me. That's one thing I, I will not look back with regret on. I enjoyed my childhood. I did. I reveled in it. But anyway, um, so now i got these other goals. You know, time goes on, I start thinking, I'd like to raise a family. I'd like to get married. I'd like to have kids. I think I'd be a pretty good dad. I think I'd be a pretty good husband. Then I got married, realized I wasn't. Had kids, realized I wasn't. Like the rest of us. <laughs> but then the goal was to be a better father, a better, a better husband. But all of these goals, we, we set these goals, whether it's on paper or whether it's just in our minds. We set goals because they're important for us to attain. We don't set goals to, uh, to take the garbage out every day. I would never set a goal to vacuum the house every day of the week. It's just not that important to me. I'll vacuum once a week. That's good enough for me. Not for my wife. She likes a very clean house, and I appreciate that. I do. I appreciate a clean house. I'm just I'm maybe not the best guy to, to get it there. That would not be a goal for me. But things that are important, they are goals. Some of them short-term, some of them long-term. But we all have these goals. And some goals... They are important to us, but they seem completely and hopelessly out of reach. When I was a kid, graduating high school seemed it would never happen. I'm just going to keep doing this until I die. This is my life. I'm going to school until I die. But it happened. If we don't stop... If we don't get discouraged, if we stay focused on the goal, whatever it is, we can get there. It doesn't always seem like it, though. When we determine that something is important to us, we begin to pursue it with vigor, with gusto, with excitement, with passion, with enthusiasm. It's something really... I don't know about you guys, but I love starting new things. I love it. I love drawing up plans, and I love making lists, and I love organizing all everything, and then getting it going. And after it gets going and starts running smoothly, it bores me to tears. And I want to go start something else now. That's my strength, and that's my great weakness. And so, <laughs> I get really excited when we start something new. I get really pumped up when when I, there's a new goal in front of me. But as time drags on, goals, and Brother Rapids, you'll probably, you can probably relate to this, being in construction, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. We have dates that people want to move in, and 
Oftentimes, the contractor has to break the bad news to the poor couple that it's just not going to happen. And it probably won't happen this month. (laughs) Maybe next month. Projects always seem to drag on longer than expected and cost more than expected. So as time goes on, the goal doesn't become realized in the time frame we expected. We begin to lose our initial excitement. We begin to lose that enthusiasm. And some of us can maybe even get a little frustrated. Some of us might even get angry or depressed that this isn't happening the way I thought it would. This isn't this isn't coming to fruition as quickly as I thought it would. And it, it, it won't matter how well you've planned everything out. You can have everything planned perfectly. You can have a project planned down to the nth degree. And you can account, you can even build in uh, time buffers and, and financial buffers to account for unexpected situations, and it still goes over. I don't know how or why it does, but it does, typically. And so that can frustrate a lot of people, especially when you're not really, have, you're not really used to having to struggle for something, to fight for something. If everything has come easy, I know when I was in school, uh, I was considered, like I said, I was a nerd. Uh, part of that was, was being smart. I got all my homework done at school. I rarely ever brought anything home. I just did it there, and, and I got good grades. I didn't really have to work for anything at school, except to be popular, <laughs> in which I failed. But the schoolwork itself, easy, simple, boring. I did it. I turned it in, and that was it. Thank goodness it's done. I never really had to work for it. So I never really... I never really experienced what it was to have to struggle for something, to fight for something. When I joined the Army, that changed for me. The academic stuff was not a very big part of my training as a cannoneer. Big artillery gun. Didn't need a lot of intelligence to fall out of an airplane. Gravity kind of took that for me. Didn't have to worry about it. It was all physical, and I wasn't used to physical, not really. I grew up on a farm, so I, I was used to work, but not like this. I never had to run on a farm. So that was hard for me, and I struggled with that for a long time. But through that, I learned how to push through some things. You know, when initially when... When resistance is encountered, that resistance, if we're not used to it, that can scare us, that can threaten us, that can frighten us. But if we learn how to push through that, you know, the, in a physical sense, the drill instructors always told us that your body can take a lot more than you think it can. You can push it a lot harder than you think you can. And I'd never pushed myself, not physically. But I got pushed. And I got pushed some more and some more. And pretty soon I realized, hey, you know what? They're right. I don't have to be afraid of a little physical pain. 
I don't have to be afraid of a little bit of weariness. Now I know that the body can handle that. And so when a real a greater challenge would come in the future, I was a little bit less hesitant to meet it for the simple reason that I'd met stuff before and came through. And in our lives, certainly in the spiritual, when we encounter hard times, situations and circumstances, I always think of David. You know, he fought the lion, then he fought the bear, and then he was ready to face Goliath, but not before then. He understood something that he didn't understand before. With our goals that we set, with those things in our lives that are important to us, and I'm going somewhere with this. Please bear with me for just a while longer. This isn't a leadership class on goal setting. If we will stick with it, the goals will be realized. As time goes on and the goal is still not realized, we fall typically into two distinct categories. One, most of us, most people, will eventually give up and will rationalize why we're giving up. We'll come up with things like, well, it really wasn't as important a goal as I had originally thought. It's just not that important to me anymore. Or we'll say something like, it's just not worth it to me. There's too much work for too little payout. Or we might say, I have more urgent matters to attend to right now. I'll put it off to a later date. I'll try again some other time. In other words, we're going to give up on it. It's too hard. The sacrifice isn't worth it. A few, though, will persevere through the frustration through the hardness, through the disappointments, and they will finally achieve success. You've heard the saying, nothing worthwhile is ever easy. Another variation on that is, uh, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But some things aren't easy. The most important and worthwhile things in life are not easy. Those of us that are married, before we got married, at least for me, that was going to be bliss. That was going to be the realization of a dream for me. I'm now complete. I'm now one with someone. And all the, you know, the romantic notions of that and the the heady emotional aspect of it, that's, that's what I was kind of focused on. But when I got into marriage, I fairly quickly realized that it was quite a bit more than that. Marriage is work. Relationships are work. And that, I wasn't ready for that. I'd heard it. I understood the words that were coming out of their mouth. But I didn't really receive it. Well, I received it now, baby. I did. I'm so sorry, honey, for all the work you're having to do. (laughs) But seriously, relationships are work. But it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Marriage is worth it. 
But it's work. You've got to work at it to make it good. It takes a lot of investment of time, emotional resources to make that work. The promises that God gives us, the promises we read in Scripture, we, we read those and we receive them and they seem to follow the same general pattern. We get a promise from God and we get really excited about it. We get absolutely pumped up about it. I got a promise from God. He promised me this. He promised me that. And we start walking and we get excited and we praise God and we ought to. We ought to be excited and we ought to thank God for it. But as time goes on and that promise isn't answered right away, like we thought it would be, we start to get a little frustrated. We start to get a little confused, a little fearful perhaps. And we start to question, did God really promise me this? Or did I just hear something? Was that a pizza dream? Or did I really hear from God? Am I understanding the scripture properly? Maybe this doesn't apply to me. We're going we're gonna to find some reason to start working this out. Why it's not happening right now. A preacher told me one time, it was good advice for me, it's good advice for all of us, don't doubt in the darkness what God told you in the light. Excellent advice. Because it's very easy to receive something in a nice Pentecostal service. We get to a nice prayer meeting. God speaks to us. It's really easy to, to get excited about stuff there. But at 2 in the morning, when you got a migraine headache and you got to get up at 6 for work, are we still as excited about that promise? Are we still as excited Tuesday evening when the phone calls start coming in? One bad news thing after another. We can still be excited in that situation. But it's a little bit more difficult now. We keep waiting and we keep praying and we keep believing and yet it seems like nothing is happening. Have you ever been there? Absolutely, we all have. And we're all going to be again. Because there's a reason for it. When we're in the middle of that situation, what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to understand this? There are so many examples in Scripture of someone receiving a promise, and that promise is delayed. We all, we all know the examples. We've heard them a thousand times. Noah. Noah was preaching 120 years, it's going to rain. It's never rained before in the, in the history of the universe. This wasn't very old at the time, but... Still, it's never rained. Noah, we've been hearing this for over a century, dude. Give it up. It's not going to happen, man. You've been saying this for over a hundred years. It's not going to happen. Noah, I love you, buddy. But you've got to stop. You're, you're, this is embarrassing. But he kept on. He kept on believing the promise. Kind of a negative promise, a promise of judgment, but a promise nonetheless. It's going to rain. 
He kept on preaching it. And sure enough, it came to pass. Thank goodness he didn't delay in building the ark. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not going to come. I'm wasting my time here. What if he'd have stopped building the ark? Would we even be here? I don't know. That's a question for you theologians. But in any case, Noah wouldn't have been here. Well, he's not here anyway. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) you know what I mean. Abraham. (laughs) Abraham received a promise. He's going to have a son. And through that son, you're going to have descendants that cannot be numbered. He gets older, he gets older, he gets older. Sarah gets older and older and older. Nothing. Nothing's happening. He keeps renewing this promise. It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. Okay, when? I'm very old. My wife is very old. But it did happen. He kept believing God. And it did happen. David, we mentioned earlier, he was promised the kingship. He was anointed to be king of Israel. And then he went back and tended sheep. Like any anointed king ought to do, right? Seems a little weird to me. I don't know what the custom was at the time. They are kind of making it up as they went along at this point, I think. But... Uh, He got anointed king of Israel, captain of the hosts of of God, captain of God's people, went back to tending sheep. Then he started serving the king, then he was on on the run for his life from the king, and then somehow God worked it out so that he became king. Why did it take so long? Why didn't he just go to the throne? From that anointing period, why didn't he just march to the throne? There was a reason for it. And there is a reason why it takes us so long sometimes to realize our goals and our dreams. And when God gives us a promise, there are reasons why it takes so long sometimes for them to come to pass. Because God is working things out in us. God is working things out in other people. Working situations out, external to us, that need to be worked out for this to happen the way God wants it to. It's got to happen the way God does it. That's the only way this is going to work. When God gives a promise, you can rest assured it will come to pass. You can also rest assured it probably won't come to pass when you think it will. So just expect that. Just keep praising Him, thanking Him, and trusting Him until it does. Until it does. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God's promises. In John chapter 6, verses 60 through 68. says this, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? 
Jesus just told them that if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him, given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. These disciples generally had given up a lot to be with Jesus. These disciples believed that this was the hope of Israel. They really did. They were looking for Messiah. And they thought in Jesus they had found him. That was their hope. That was their goal. To see the Messiah come. But when things got too difficult, when Jesus started preaching stuff that didn't tickle their ears anymore, they turned around and walked away. Have you ever heard someone tell you something you didn't want to hear? I think, again, we all have. I've been chewed out by the best. I've been dressed down by the very best. And it's not fun. And I don't know if it's the best way to do it, but if it's received correctly, if it's received properly, it can be very beneficial. Receiving correction is a good thing. Now, when we're giving correction, I would counsel, do it right. Do it with love. Do it properly. But when we receive it, that's a good thing. When Jesus tells us something we don't, we don't want to hear about our lives, about the way we're living, about things that we believe or don't believe, things we're doing or not doing. When Jesus tells us something through the preacher, through the Word of God, directly through prayer, through some other medium, when God speaks to us about something we're doing wrong or not doing right, something that He wants us to correct, we need to thank Him for that. Would you rather be wrong and end up in hell? Or do you want to be right and end up in heaven? If I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. I don't want people buttering me up. I don't want people telling me I'm good when I'm not. That will lead to my destruction. Now, there was a time in my life probably where I would have rather you just said something nice, thank you, and left me alone. But not now. Not now. Time is too short. There's too much to do. And I need to be ready. And if it means getting my little feelings hurt, then bless God, I'll get my little feelings hurt. 
or maybe I could put my big boy pants on, receive the correction, and walk, continue walking forward. There's a good idea. We can receive correction, folks. Especially when it comes from Jesus Christ. But these, these disciples, they could not receive the sayings of Jesus. That, that didn't comport with my idea of who Messiah is. That's not my idea of who you are, Jesus. We're out of here. Simon Peter. Now, from the context of this verse, it's possible he felt the same way. It's possible he was hearing this stuff and thinking the same thing that the other disciples were. But listen to his response. That didn't matter to Simon Peter. It didn't matter because he knew something. He was persuaded that this was the Christ. This was Messiah. He was persuaded of that fact. And because of that, it didn't matter what Jesus said. It didn't matter what Jesus did. Whether he understood it or not, whether he agreed with it or not, he was okay. Where am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? You have the words of life. You're Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for. I can't walk away from you. I can't walk away no matter what. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13 says this, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So we see two things revealed in this passage of Scripture. One, when you ask something of God, when you're seeking something of Him, you're going to get an answer. You will receive an answer. You don't have to wonder about that. God is not going to be silent. Yes, sometimes the answer is no. But that's okay too. I've told my kids no many times in the past for good reasons. When they grow up, they're going to tell their kids no. Also for good reasons. Because we love them. And God tells us no for the very same reason. Because He knows something that we don't. He knows that if I get what I'm asking for, that's going to lead to my hurt, my detriment, maybe even my destruction. Or the answer could be yes. The answer we're all looking for. Or the answer could be not now. Wait. But you will get an answer. He also promises that the answer you receive will not be a distortion of the request, but He's going to meet your actual need. And what I mean by this is, there's this idea that floats around that 
You got to be, it's kind of like uh, if you understand anything about genies, the genie in the bottle. You get the three wishes and you got to be really careful how you phrase the wish because he's going to twist it around. And he's going to try to make something awful out of that thing that you want. And some people view God the same way. If I don't ask him just right, he's going to give me something weird, something awful that I'm not going to want. That's not God at all. God understands the intent of your request. Okay? You don't have to phrase it just right. You don't have to hire a lawyer to drop a contract and bring it to Jesus. Okay? You don't have to worry about that. You can just explain it the best you can. He understands what you're saying. Okay? He understands the need. And he's going to answer that need. Maybe you don't even understand the real need yourself. Have you ever talked with someone and they are they're in a bad way? They're depressed, they're uh they're just they're not well emotionally. And you try to talk to them and, and something will come out of their mouths. Well, it's my boss at work. It's my it's my mom, it's my dad, it's my sister, my brother. <clears throat> and you keep talking to them. And eventually you start to realize, no, it's not your boss at work. It's really something that happened a long time ago. There's there's this The person really thinks that the reason I'm like this is because of this person or because of that situation. But it's not that at all. It's something else entirely. And they may not even be aware of it. And the same thing applies to you and me. Things that we go through. Things that really bother us. Things or situations that that really affect us. And other people are like, wow, that was kind of weird. Why did... Why did you react like that? You you have no idea. That's just how I am. I'm I'm Irish. I'm a German. That's how I react to things. No, it's not because you're Irish. It's because there's some other root cause in there. And so I say that to say this. When we're asking God for something, He's going to meet the need, whether you realize what that need is or not. God knows what the need is, and he's going to meet that need. What an awesome God we serve. So when you, when you get an answer that isn't necessarily what you were looking for, that is probably exactly what you were looking for. He just didn't know it. Luke 18, verses 1 through 6 states this. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Okay, this is, this is tailor-made. 
for our talk on goals, persistence, importunity. When we're pursuing something, we need to pursue it until it's accomplished. When we're pursuing an answer from God, we need to pursue God until we receive the answer. We keep knocking. We keep asking. We keep seeking. We cannot give up on the one-yard line. How many people I can only imagine in history that would have been famous, that would have been a huge success in whatever it is that they were trying to accomplish, gave up just before the success came. We're never going to know who they are, though, because they gave up. We know about Abraham Lincoln because he didn't give up. He kept at it through nervous breakdowns, through failure after failure after failure after failure. He literally failed his way to the presidency. Literally. And he is considered by most to be one of the best presidents we've ever had. Thomas Edison. I don't know if I'd have liked the man individually if I talked with him. However, he was persistent. He would never accept failure. He never really seemed to get discouraged. He just found one more way that this doesn't work. And if I find enough of them, I'm going to stumble on the way that does. And he was okay with that process. Amazing. We know about people like that. Whatever you think about uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, there were a few times where that was going to tank. That was going to go under. There was no hope at all. He somehow stuck with it. And somehow he made it work. Today he's the richest man in the world. Heading the most powerful corporation in the world. Again, whatever you think of him, he knows the, the value of persistence. We can't give up on those things we know to be right and true and good a half a mile from shore. Why do people give up? Because they can no longer see the goal. They can't see the shore because of the fog. They lose sight of what was truly important to them. They lose sight of what they were pursuing. It used to be so important. It used to, be, it used to fill my every waking thought. The idea of accomplishing this thing. But now because of time, because of circumstance, because of everything that's gone on since, I don't know if I even want it anymore. I can't see it coming to pass. And I'm cold. And I'm miserable. And I don't know when it's going to end. And so we give up. We give up a half mile from shore. Folks, these are the end times. First Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 57. 
familiar passage of Scripture to most of us. If not, it should be. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't give up now. Not when this event is so close. It's imminent. Those things that we want to accomplish for Jesus Christ. Those people, those Christians, those saints that we want to be. We need to be. We need to keep pursuing those things. If we read Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, we read about all kinds of people who were faithful and received the promise. And then, a little bit more than halfway down, we start reading about people who were faithful and did not receive the promise. I always found that interesting. The Bible is nothing if not complete. It throws everything in there. God is telling us that sometimes the promise is never realized. Not in our lifetime. I think of people who have prayed their whole lives for their parents or their children to come to God. They're on their deathbed. They pass, never seeing that come to pass. But sometime afterward, something happens and the child comes to God. The promise is realized. It does take place. God did answer. Just not in their lifetime. But they stayed faithful. The promise was answered. And in eternity, that's all that matters. That mom or dad, that grandmother, they're going to see Him in heaven. They're going to see her in heaven because they prayed, because they wept and they fasted. They got the answer. Just not in their lifetime. And then it goes on to Hebrews 12. And in verse 1 it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, these men and women that have gone before us, receiving the promise, not receiving the promise, but staying faithful to God anyway. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Again, the analogy of the race, the runner. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider him. Consider what he went through to see the goal realized. Consider everything he faced, the opposition he pushed through to see his goal, his dream realized. 
the salvation of all of us. Consider that when you are tempted to be wearied, when you are tempted to give up, when you are tempted to faint. Consider what He went through for us. Sometimes it can seem like too hard a thing to continue living for God. Sometimes it can. In the heat of the situation, in the middle of a horrible circumstance, it can seem really difficult to even keep walking forward. First, I would say that even in that situation, you have a far easier time living for God than not living for God. People who don't live for God experience the same things. Only when we live for God, we have a strength not of this world. We have a hope that goes on into eternity. Second, I would say that the price, whatever that may be, is absolutely and so very worth it. Thirdly, we need to, like we said a second earlier, we need to take for our example of faithfulness to God in the midst of adversity, Jesus Christ, who was altogether faithful to the plan of God, even when it meant marching to Calvary, placing himself on a cross, suffering and dying. He didn't do that for himself. He did that for you and for me. I'll close with this. Luke chapter 9 and 62. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. When we first come to the Lord, it's exciting. It's new. We know what God has done for us. We feel clean and we feel like, like we are. Brand new creatures. And as time goes on, some of that initial zeal and enthusiasm fades. We start realizing that things aren't always going to be peaches and cream. Now that I'm serving Jesus, my tire still goes flat. I still run out of gas if I don't fill it. I still bang my thumb with a hammer. None of that seems to have changed at all. And so, it can get frustrating when we start realizing that this relationship, even with Jesus Christ, is going to take work. It's going to take work to get to know Him, to start living for Him, to start conforming to His image. It's going to take discipline for me to to start praying and fasting, to start giving up those things that displeased Him and start taking to myself those things that do. To submit myself to Him no matter what. That takes work. That takes discipline. That takes sacrifice. And that's not something everybody is willing to do. I might fall into the camp of the initial disciples who walked away from their Messiah because the saying was too hard. Don't fall into that camp. Continue walking forward with Jesus. Any relationship is worth the work. 
but especially this one, especially a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is so worth the work. And to be perfectly honest, folks, most of the work was done by him. He's the one that initiated everything. He's the one that drew us to himself. He's the one that died and sacrificed himself, spilled his blood, so that it could happen in the first place. All we have to do is say yes to him. It's absolutely worth whatever cost he's asking of us. I promise you this. When we hear the pearly gates clicking behind us, and we're thinking of everything, if that's even a thing in heaven, we're thinking of all the things that we endured, all the suffering, the persecution, whatever it is that that we were asked to go through. When we think about it, it's going to seem... Why did we even hesitate? Why didn't I give more? Why didn't I do more? For everything that we're receiving. It seems like a huge ripoff for God. We're not going to regret anything we gave up. We're not going to regret anything that we went through anything that we suffered for His name's sake, we're not going to regret any of it. We're going to be glad. We're going to be thankful that we were counted worthy to suffer for His name's sake. When we stand before Him, not through a glass darkly, but seeing Him face to face, it's all going to be worth it. The goal will have been realized. It's worth any price. It's worth any sacrifice. This is eternity we're talking about. Not some temporal job or car or relationship or anything. We're talking about eternity. It's worth everything. And whatever we can do, whatever we need to do to see that goal realized, we need to be about that. Amen. Let's all stand. Jesus, we're so very thankful for you. We're thankful for your so great faithfulness. We're thankful for the covenant promises you've given us in your word. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, God, that we have this promise that someday we're going to see you face to face. Someday we're going to be able to hold your hand, touch your face hear your words, bask in the very physical presence of Almighty God, and will be there forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes on the prize, as it were. Help us to keep focused on that goal, that when we go through circumstance and situation, when all we can see is the fog around us, help us to realize that the land is in sight. It's right there. Heaven is right there. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep that in mind as we go through these trials of life, the good and the bad. 
I pray, Lord, that you'd be with us, go with us our separate ways, bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. Let your name be glorified through your people, I pray. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so very much. We are supposed to get a storm this Friday. I don't know if you've heard it or not. They're predicting four to eight inches. So stay safe. That's snow, not rain. You're dismissed.